Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. With Israel's electoral train chugging along its stations from polling booth to president's residence to parliamentary negotiations, the play is now in Benjamin Netanyahu's half-court. His ability to traverse the obstacles along the way to forming a new coalition government will determine how soon he will head back to the prime minister's residence, which he vacated less than 18 months ago, and at what price. To comment on the state of political play in Israel, with no guarantee that these will be indeed the final results, showing us all the way from elsewhere here in the city is Mr. Mitchell Barak, who is the CEO of Kivun Research Group. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from central Israel is uh, retired Colonel Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers and Play co-panelist, uh, uh, Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security, and the Editor-in-Chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune, among many other things. Welcome again, uh, Dr. Lerman. Thank you. And with me in the studio is our TV7 editor at large, host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of the current process that uh, we are expected to undergo here in, in Jerusalem particularly, but also in Israel at large. So there are absolutes and relatives here. Um, it is absolutely uh, true that uh, the uh, bloc headed by uh, Netanyahu won the elections. Um, it has a majority in the Knesset, and if negotiations succeed, they will have a government. Now, during the campaign, uh, Netanyahu's main pledge was to form what he called a strong, stable, right-wing government. Right-wing it will be if one considers the religious and Haredi Orthodox parties, the, um, uh, part, the partners at least of the right-wing, they do not object to right-wing policies. There was a time when they were more moderate. Not economically speaking, of course. No, but uh, we're talking about national security and foreign policy. Um, so uh, right-wing, it will be. Strong, too, um, in the, uh, at least, um, if one means uh, national, uh, activist, um, little or no concessions, yes, that, that uh, is also um, going to be true. Whether it will be stable right now depends mostly on the wishes of Netanyahu's biggest partner, and that is the uh, religious Zionism uh, or Zionist religious uh, party headed by two partners who are also rivals of each other, Bezalel Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir. And mostly it has to do with what's in Ben-Gvir's mind. Just to sum it up, Ben-Gvir has to choose between immediate gratification, where he gets uh, a portfolio and a seat in the inner security cabinet, he gets legitimacy, uh, he is going to be Mr. Minister, a stunning rise in politics. A year and a half ago, he wasn't even a member of Knesset, and here he is an important 
um, ruling uh, member, and this is instant. Against that, he is probably weighing what happens <coughs> if he um, submits unacceptable demands and conditions in order for Netanyahu not to be able to form a government because he has other demands and conditions from other coalition partners as well as from his own Likud members. And if I can combine these two uh, opposite alternatives, I will come up with a third one as a compromise. Yes, uh, go into the cabinet now, be Minister Bengvir, but within a few months, either cause the government to fall or push Netanyahu to fire him because of some provocation and then try to bring about early elections. I think that's a little too sophisticated for him at this stage, at least in my perspective, taking into account, of course, the fact that uh, he is, if he is going to maneuver against Netanyahu, uh, Netanyahu has outmaneuvered pretty much every politician currently serving in the state of Israel. But he is dependent on him. Right now, uh, Benvir controls more members of Knesset than Netanyahu's winning edge. Indeed, and uh, therefore, I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Lerman, uh, before the election took place, uh, currently already two weeks ago in, in Israel, uh, we saw uh, the the president of the state of Israel, Mr. Yitzhak Herzog, travel to the uh, United States. Uh, he met there with his American counterpart, of course, uh, Joe Biden, with uh, National Security Advisor to State uh, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and, and uh, uh, Sullivan, but during that time, reportedly a few uh, um, details have been leaked in which he was informed that the Biden administration would not work with a Benville if he is to attain a, a certain ministerial portfolio. This, of course, uh, is not a unprecedented. Uh, Ariel Sharon, who uh, uh, after Sabra and Shatila was shunned by the U.S. State Department for 18 years, uh, of course, then became prime minister and the Americans had no choice. But ultimately, when you look at the big picture, uh, it seems like Netanyahu is uh, forced to provide uh, a problematic individual. And the reason I'm saying problematic, because he was 46 times indicted, eight times charged on uh, matters of... Uh, uh, support for terrorist organizations, incitement to violence, and so on and so forth, and uh, countless cases. Is Netanyahu able to deal with an international community under such heavy scrutiny at a time when in his own coalition uh, he has members that are already outright um, going to, to challenge uh, Israel's international standing? Well, um the American position is uh, well, just part of a larger picture. By the way, uh, Herzog also participated in the COP conference uh, summit, global summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, met there with a good number of regional leaders, including King Abdullah II of Jordan, uh, who are, uh, for whom also the, the possibility that Bengvir would claim the uh, internal security portfolio, in other words, the uh, command, ultimate political command of the Israeli police is highly troubling because it is the, the Israeli police, for example, that sustains the actual uh, uh, stamp of Israeli sovereignty 
uh, over the Temple Mount. Uh, no other Israeli authority uh, is uh, works there or is tolerated there. Uh, in the uh, very delicate relationship that we have uh, with the local institutions, the Waqf, and with the Jordanians who have a uh, standing under the, uh, Article 9 of the peace treaty. So uh, whichever way you look at it, uh, Netanyahu, uh, if he has to concede uh, this position that Ben Gvir very much wants, uh, will have to basically prove to the Americans on one hand and to some of our neighbors on the other that he retains ultimate control over the most controversial issues, the one that could uh, set fire to the region, so to speak, and that uh, the energies uh, of, uh, of uh, Bengvir, uh, probably in line with the reasons why he rose so dramatically in the, uh, in the polls and the vote, um, will be uh, channeled towards re uh, returning governability to areas of Israel like the south and, and parts of the uh, and other parts of the country where lawlessness, um, the use of where the use of the almost uh, daily use of weapons in, in, in uh, gang warfare and so on and so forth. Much but not all of it among the uh, Arab uh, minority. Uh, that uh, energies would be directed, his energies would be directed in that uh, there. Now, the American administration may face a delicate uh, um, issue. Relations with the Israeli police are professional and, and quite well, and quite, uh, well established. Um, I can imagine that they will sustain a dialogue uh, with the uh, um, police commissioner, which uh, in, in Israel is the equivalent of a, of a uh, lieutenant general, uh, Kobi Shabtai, who runs the police force, uh, without engaging with uh, his minister, if, if that, the, that is the uh, uh, possible compromise. But all of this would put Netanyahu in a very delicate position. Amen. And he's already indicating that he will resist the pressure of all his partners uh, to uh, um, bind him in very specific language, uh, not only to uh, portfolios, that has to happen, but also to uh, very uh, extended uh, guidelines for the various ministries in what is called uh, the basic document, uh, formative document of the government. He's resisting pressure to be pinned down because he wants to retain his freedom of action, given the prospective um, uh, pressure from the international community. Indeed. Mr. Barak, I'd like to hear your uh, point on this as well. But uh, as uh, a professional pollster these days and a former advisor to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, the designate uh, at this stage, uh, do you see uh, the the reaction of a public which up until uh, these days, uh, you know, up until the elections, they had a, a interior minister or a, a interior security minister, excuse me, uh, who has extensive uh, experience uh, both militarily and, and uh, in other forms of uh, national security, uh, a defense minister who was chief of staff with a uh, deputy defense minister who was a major general himself and, and uh, in, in different capacities. And now they are replaced with uh, 
a uh, group of individuals who has little to none experience in any security on an executive level, and they are proclaimed to be the saviors of Israeli deterrence and the capacity to reassert uh, the, the rule of law in areas where lawlessness is being dealt with. I mean, uh, just as uh, uh, last year, there were more terrorists killed, neutralized, I think it was at uh, 187, than the preceding 10 years, uh, when we're talking about specific targeted killings in operations, uh, there were more than 3,000 uh, terror, suspected terror operatives apprehended, unprecedented figures, and then this is being uh, utilized against the, the current uh, defense establishment, so to speak. Uh, give us a little bit of sense into this whole ordeal. Well, you know, I, uh, I moved to Israel uh, 30 years ago from a small country called the United States of America, which has uh, the largest and most powerful army. And there's a secret that most of the secretaries of defense of the United States of America, except for the current one, and uh, uh, have no defense experience. They've never been in the army. They've never been generals. And they then take over the Pentagon. And they do just fine. And we've had some defense ministers here, like Moshe Aarons, like Shimon Peres, that also haven't been in the army. I think that, um, you know, putting someone who was the former chief of staff as head of the, as defense minister, is not such a great policy because they come in with their, both their knowledge, but their attitudes and relationships. And maybe they want to settle some scores with some people that uh, they didn't like on the way up, or they want to promote some people they do like. And I'm not convinced that they can come into the position fresh and say, listen to the information and make decisions because they have 30 years of experience there. So we Israelis like to see someone that's experienced, someone that's been there, uh, certainly in the defense ministry, also from a public opinion point of view, in the public security ministry, although in the public security ministry, we have not had, uh, you know, it's not always been someone with uh, military or police experience. Uh, so Israelis like to see that, but it's not clear that, you know, that person will perform better. And I think when it comes to both Ben Gvir and Smutrich, who both ran on this, you know, hard line, we're going to take care of the Arabs campaign, similar to when Lieberman ran a few years ago saying if he was defense minister, uh, he'll take care of the Hamas within 48 hours, and he didn't. Um, they have to realize that if they if they ran on, we're going to make Israel safer and stop the terror, and they get the ministries which actually do that, and they're not successful, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to face their own electorate the next time because they got so many seats this time from people that thought that they could save the process. So I think we'll see that when they will tone down their requests, Ben Gvir and Smutrich, to say, hey, which ministry can I take that I can actually achieve? Now, if I can go back to the point of, uh, you know, what we were, you were speaking about before that the United States has said they don't want to work with Ben Gvir and, and so forth, and you brought up Ariel Sharon. So when Ariel Sharon was elected prime minister, if you remember in, in uh, 2001, I believe, uh, there was great concern among the Americans that this really right of center, and you'll remember his going up to the Temple Mount was, was sort of the start of his comeback uh, and becoming prime minister. There was great concern, and I personally was, uh, was the communications person on a trip to Washington before he even took office in the few weeks that he was forming the government with the late Moshe Ahrens, with uh, Dory Gold, with Zalman Shoval, where they actually met with 
the White House with Dick Cheney at the time, with other administration officials in the Senate, in the Congress, and the Jewish community to kind of calm them down and say, Ariel Sharon is going to be a prime minister for everyone, and he's really going to do the right thing. And not only was he one of the most popular prime ministers in Israeli history, but he had a fantastic relationship with George Bush and as President George Bush. So I think we, we, will, we, we could be surprised. Uh, and again, what happens in elections like Las Vegas stays in Israeli elections. And Ben Gvir and Smutrich will both have to sober up because Ben Gvir has made a successful career out of going to television studios and saying outlandish and divisive things. It helped him get elected, but it's not going to help him get reelected. So what is he going to do now Indeed. that is going to uh, uh, do that? I think, to be fair, though, uh, if I remember correctly, Smotrich was an assistant to the commander of the strategic planning division in the IDF. Smotrich was an assistant? Uh, You mean an office assistant? I don't know exactly in what capacity, but he was there. Smotrich was a very junior, non-commissioned officer or a private soldier for a few months. He wasn't an assistant uh, uh, to any um, uh, planning authority. No, Indeed. no. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. He was he was minister of transport, <coughs> and um, quite an effective one. This was uh, correct. Uh, he did not um, uh, have a mostly political um, undertones uh, to his job. Of course, some of the settlers want more in the way of of uh, roads and other transport uh, demands, but usually. If you talk to uh, people uh, in the transport transportation industry in Israel, they were quite pleased with uh, the performance uh, during his short term in office. But this does not mean a lot regarding portfolios such as defense or internal uh, security. But let me offer an alternative. Um, and yes, it's uh, speculative, but an alternative theory to what uh, Mitchell uh, uh, just gave us. Um, the relationship between the commissioner general of the police and the minister there is usually in favor of the commissioner general because he is subject to the law, to the so-called police order, which is uh, a relic of the British mandate here, and the minister cannot intervene. Also, uh, if Netanyahu wants to limit Bengvir's ability uh, to operate as Iran said on Temple Mount, he can appoint a ministerial committee which will give policy guideline and uh, hold the minister accountable. However, um, when Mitchell um, recalled Ariel Sharon, uh, what is common to Sharon in 2001 and Netanyahu in 2022 is their age, 73. Most of their career is or was behind them. While Bengvir looks ahead, and for him, it is better to try and fail and blame Netanyahu for tying his hands, he will not say, okay, this is the reality, I cannot do this and that. He said, no, I promise, this is my campaign pledge. I am serious, I am sincere, I want to do it, but Bibi doesn't allow me. So I'm leaving his government, and I want to have more power the next time around. So their interests collide. Of course, everyone wants a piece of the pie. They, they are hungry for power. Either they were never there or they want to go back. But they are also looking towards the next elections so that people like Mitchell Barak can make a living. 
Indeed. Well, uh, just uh, uh, and to and myself. our and our living too. Uh, Smotrich was in the operations division. Uh, I've uh, uh, just noted. Um, the question is, in what capacity? Of course, he was very junior at the time. But as you noted, indeed, uh, he was quite successful in the transportation ministry. Uh, and uh, when we're talking about Netanyahu with regard to the defense portfolio, uh, Netanyahu never w provided the, the significant portfolios to anyone, not in his party and not uh, to his partners, uh, which was, uh, of course, also the, the strategic split, uh, I would like to call it, of uh, the foreign ministry into uh, this uh, Ministry for Strategy, which then took the portfolio of the United States particularly, and we, uh, we had all kind of shifts in order to maintain the reins of power uh, on his corner of uh, uh, the, the arena. Uh, Dr. Lehmann, I'd like to ask you, to what degree are we to expect to see uh, a certain trimmed portfolio granted to the various uh, uh, people uh, that are to partake with him in the coalition, and to what degree are they willing to go along with such a reality, uh, considering the fact that this is uh, pretty much the methodology that has been taking place over the course of his consecutive governments? Well, um, I think the most important change that I've heard being uh, raised as a possibility, one which could revolutionize the way the Israeli government actually works, is not in the field of foreign affairs and is not in the fields of security. Uh, it's not even in the very controversial, very dramatic field of uh, um, the uh, reform in the uh, legal system, which uh, many people in the right are pushing very hard for. And Netanyahu is, is somewhat resisting, knowing that this would create a deep breach with, uh, with the um, let's say, uh, a very large segment of Israeli society, where he may revolutionize uh, the way business uh, is done is by emulating the American model and moving the um, budget function from the uh, Treasury, from the Ministry of Finance, to the Prime Minister's office. Uh, in the same way as in the United States, the Treasury collects money, but it is the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, in the White House that uh, suggests to Congress, Congress makes the decisions, but suggests to Congress what uh, the U.S. budget uh, should be allocated for. And, and therefore, this is an, an immensely powerful function uh, uh, in, the, in the government. And if he manages to offer a trimmed Ministry of Finance to one of his key uh, <coughs> partners, either Smotrich if he has to, or uh, Arya Derry, if, uh, who is his, I think, most closest and, and, and most balanced and, and experienced ally in this government, uh, then the prime minister's position in Israel will be stronger than it has ever been. Indeed. Mr. Barak? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, I, I worked in the finance ministry for two finance ministers and for Adan Meridor and Yaak, the late Yaakov Neaman. It's not as glamorous as it seems to be because you're giving out budgets, but to be a good finance minister, you really have to cut the budgets. And there's a lot of politics there because you have to convince the ministers to actually cut the budget. 
So you, you want to put someone there who's got very, very good political skills and who all of the other ministers want to work with. So, uh, you know, that could be someone in the Likud party that Netanyahu in the past has given to, or it could be someone in, um, you know, like Derry that he trusts and who's really a political operator and knows how to do it. The problem with Arye Derry there is that he not only is he was is he a convicted felon for, you know, financial crimes uh, and, and sat in prison, but he's recently reconvicted on some tax evasion charge. So what does it say about a country who uh, puts someone as the finance minister who evaded taxes uh, and then had some kind of plea deal and just like a year or two later is now serving as the finance minister? I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the other ministries. Uh, certainly Netanyahu likes to give away the really good ones like the foreign ministry and like the uh, defense ministry to someone who's not in the Likud because uh, being in those positions is seen as uh, capable as a kind of warm up to be prime minister or to run for prime minister. So he certainly doesn't want to, you know, select an heir apparent. And he certainly doesn't want to put himself in a position that uh, people inside his party can revolt and can actually um, uh, do something or try and take over his position. So if he does give it to a Likud person or a, a uh, either of those ministries, it's going to be given to someone who he thinks is not the best candidate for the job, but who's most loyal to him and who's going to do a mediocre job uh, so that he can still control it. Indeed. Well, uh, we're drawing... Course, he, could, uh, he could alternatively do what Ben-Gurion, since he has already had the, the job for longer than David Ben-Gurion and thinks of himself in the same category as our founding father, uh, he may decide to do what Ben-Gurion did all his life uh, as prime minister and serve simultaneously also as minister of defense. That uh, certainly uh, positions uh, him in a, in a, uh, as, as the ultimate arbiter of Israeli affairs. Indeed. Well, there's a little over one minute left, Mr. Oren. Well, first of all, I don't see the problem uh, that uh, Mitchell just raised with Derry being uh, convicted a tax <coughs> evader. He takes one to no one, and the best police officers have criminal minds. So this would be an advantage rather than a disadvantage. Netanyahu's main aim is to get out of his legal troubles. Whatever helps him, do it, he will. The other stuff, governance, policy, that could wait. Well, uh, time will tell about that, of course. But uh, even though he, he keeps insisting that it's not the case, obviously. So, so we, we have to believe. Within a, a democratic society, uh, until proven otherwise, indeed. Uh, this is all the time that we have for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Eran Lerman, Mr. Mitchell Barak, and Mr. Amir Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.